Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Robert Persaud with a message on expectations from God. When Jesus walked upon the face of the earth, he touched many and he healed them. Today, it's by faith we have to touch the Lord. And during these camp meetings, we've been experiencing that. Where doubt and unbelief has to be thrown behind us. And we must press towards the mark of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's only one way to touch him. Just believe when you call on his name. Aren't those words beautiful? I was really thrilled when they started to sing sing that song. And it just went through the whole little group there. And by the time the service was over, people would testify that something has happened to their lives. When God's people come together, something has to happen. Something has to happen. And so that's the, that should be our expectation every time we come to these meetings. We should always expect anything from God. Expect, don't set ourselves a certain guidelines or a certain path in which we must go. Well, we must be open in our mindset to anything that God can do because He is God and He could do wonderful things. Amen? I'm so privileged to be here. I've often thought about this. I look over this congregation this morning and I tell you, I'm extremely grateful When I look back and I saw how God has brought me a little, a little boy, just of seven years of age, accepted him, accepted Christ into my heart in a, in a little village in Guyana, unheard of, unknown. That place, incidentally, was called La Penitence, meaning repentance. And that was the area that I grew up in, with my mom being a Christian and my dad being of another faith and religion. So when my mom became a Christian, there was a flood of persecution. And as a child, when I accepted the Lord, I came forward in front of the altar. And I tell you something, never let us underestimate the faith of a child. When a child stands up and prophesies, let's take it very, very serious. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings shall come forth the wisdom of God. And so when I came forward there, I accepted the Lord. It was on a Sunday evening. You know, we sing a song, it was on a Sunday, somebody touched me. And those who could remember the day that they got converted, they stood for Sunday. And then when we finished with Sunday, we would go on to, it was on a Monday, somebody touched me. And those who could remember, uh, um, if it was a Monday, they, they stood on their feet until they went throughout the week. And then after that, 
They sing, I don't know what day somebody touched me. <laughs> and that's marvelous because sometimes we don't remember. We're not dealing with the event. We're dealing with the fact that it took place. Somebody touched us. And the song goes on saying, it must have been the hands of the Lord. And I tell you, I can, can recall those days when we would just be singing those songs over. We start the week on Sunday, we end back on Sunday, and I don't know what day, and they keep adding on. It was on a blessed day, somebody touched me. And somebody from the, old, from the crowd would raise that song. It was on a happy day, somebody touched me. It must have been the hands of the Lord. The touch of the master's hands makes a difference. So I'm grateful as I, as I look here and I see you. I really appreciate the people of God. I thank God for you. And I thank God for Americans, Canadians, and all, and all nations. Because this is a wonderful move of the spirit. And everywhere that we go to, we find there is a connection there. Because people were touched by God and they touched the Lord. There is a community. Uh, the Christian community, the, the called of God, who, who are out there from every land, every nation, and God has just been blessing them. So, uh, I'm presently, as many of you know, I'm fellowshipping at the church, with the church in North Carolina. I don't, I don't fully have the southern accent yet. Just be patient with me. I hope that I will not be converted. Isn't that good? <laughs> Amen. So, the, the, the camp meeting, the, the drift, when you look at the drift of this camp meeting from one meeting to another meeting, we can see that all of the messages tend to dovetail, fit together one way or the other because God is saying some things that are very important to us. Yes, um, we started out by, um, I will bless the Lord at all times. When Brother, um, Brother Greenwich came here and shared those wonderful thoughts. I will bless the Lord at all times. It's a place that we all have to be in. To be prepared to bless the Lord irrespective of circumstances. Irrespective of whatever takes place. We must be prepared to bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. And that's important. And then the following day, it was a very touching event as we have all experienced. The, the transition of our little sister from the temporary to the permanent. And I, I must tell you this. I am so grateful that I did have the opportunity to meet with Shea. And I spoke with her outside. At the first glance, I couldn't remember her. But later on, I, I thought, I went right back into my memory bank. And I remember when I asked her her name, and she pronounced her name, I thought, well, this is the name of a boy. <laughs> and then... But she was so spunky, you know, she corrected me. And, uh, I, I was so, I was, I was so glad to know that, um, 
that was a new name for me. I've never heard that name before, but I'm thankful to the Lord. Thanks to you young people for being so supportive. In your grief, and the Lord will strengthen you. Grief comes for a purpose, and the Lord in his presence will strengthen us in that. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to press on, because it's the way that we have to um, just be prepared for any event. Because nothing that comes our way, remember this, nothing that comes our way that the grace of God cannot sustain us. Nothing, absolutely nothing at all. So, I've been pondering on the on these meetings, and and we have heard about the love of God. We have heard about so many nuggets, but there's something that at least was mentioned in passing, either in prophecy or from the pulpit here about the kingdom of God. That kingdom spoken about in the book of Daniel. So. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Daniel. Well, in the interest of time, we would not be able to read the entire chapter or read large portions of the scripture, but I will just um, take some verses out. I know that these are this is a story that you're all familiar with, but... Let's look at chapter 2, verse 31. It speaks about the great image. And this was at a time in the history of Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar was king. And he had a dream. He wanted to know the, the significance of this dream. So he asked his wise men, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers and all of them, if they can give the, the dream and the explanation. And some of them came to him and said, sorry, we could only give you the explanation if you tell us the dream. Well, when I think about Nebuchadnezzar, he was very smart. He said, no, I want you to tell me if you're really truthful, if you're really um, dealing with the divine, I want you to tell me the meaning. That you want you to tell me this dream, and I want you to tell me the meaning, because you could tell me anything. If I tell you the, the the dream, you could give me any interpretation. And so, it was. There was a threat that went out that if they were not able to give the interpretation and the dream, they will be slaughtered. They will be killed, and that. There was a certain man, Daniel, he was in the midst there. He and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken out of Israel during the captivity. They were chosen specifically by the king to, uh, to be there. He decided to choose the, those who are healthy, those young men who are wise, and who could be of a benefit to his kingdom. That must have been a smart king. Anyway, when Daniel came in to meet with the king in verse 31 of chapter 2, 
if we just turn our attention. So I just paraphrase that part so we could jump right into chapter 2, verse 31. And this is the words of what Daniel and the, and the prophet, as a young man, he came, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all young people. They were enrolled in what we might call the King's University. They were enrolled in the school there. They had to learn the, the, all of the customs and the mores of, of that great nation, Babylon. And this is what he says. Thou, O king, sawest and beholdest a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood above thee. And, and the form thereof was terrible. This image head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that his stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them in to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain. And fill the whole earth. And then he went on to give the interpretation. And this is the, this is the area that I like us to focus on a little bit more. He said, this is the dream. And we will tell you the interpretation. You notice he said, we will tell you the interpretation. You, there was a plurality there. Because prior to going to see King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a prayer meeting with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he was a man of prayer himself. And so he had that prayer meeting, and he said he's going to give the interpretation. Verse 37, And thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven had given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven had given unto thine hand and had made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So he's giving the explanation here. And Nebuchadnezzar must have felt proud about the idea that he is the head. And he is gold, which was the more superior element compared to the others like brass or bronze and iron and, of course, clay. I'm the lowest of, of the lot there. And verse 30, And after these shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another kingdom, and a third kingdom of brass, which shall make rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as the iron breaketh into pieces and subdueth all things, and an iron that breaketh 
all these all these shall it break in pieces and bruise and um, verse 41 says and whereas thou sawest the feet of and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron the kingdom shall be divided but there shall be in it of strength of the iron for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay and as one of the to- and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay there shall mingle themselves with the seed of men but they shall not cleave one to another even as iron is not mixed with clay and in the days of these kings shall the god of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed the kingdom shall not be left to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever for as much as thou sawest that the one stone was cut out from the mountain which without hands and that it break in pieces the iron and the brass and the clay the silver and the gold the great god had made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter and the dream is certain and the interpretation made pure, made sure so that was the dream that daniel had that was the interpretation and so that must have sent a rippling effect in the mind of nebuchadnezzar because he wanted to know what was happening and there're just a few points i would like to share with you because i notice our time is just slipping by so quickly the first thing i want you to you to realize that daniel was placed was taken from israel and he was placed into babylon into a worldly system a godless system a system of idolatry where people worship idols and statues and images as we have learned and this daniel he was a man chosen of god that's our position we used to sing a song in sunday school dare to be a daniel dare to stand alone and it goes on well you know the word so daniel was called but the important thing that we need to remember that the kingdom of god was in daniel the kingdom of god was in daniel as he was placed into the kingdom of babylon babylon represents the world babylon represents all all the things that we see around us and today if there is ever a time that the church is being challenged it is now we find the systems are so designed we live in societies that i have to be frank with you that is just corrupt and evil 
and just going more and more into evil. So we, God has called us to be Daniels, to stand for him, to, um, to continually realize that we are citizens of another kingdom. We're not citizens of this world kingdom. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And that's very important that we are called to be uh, um, members of the body of Christ. We're called to be the, the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus, when he was preaching, he said those exact words in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. I'm going to read it, if you can follow in your Bibles. That's Jesus. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within us. So a kingdom that is within us as we live in a, in a worldly kingdom, so to speak. Is, Jesus puts it right. He says that we are in the world, but not of the world. The church must be the church. The church must operate under the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And not be pushed and pulled with the worldliness that takes place there. You know, um, I think of that word. There's a word of greetings that they use in some parts in Asia. Uh, for example, India. In the northern part of India, when somebody sees you, they would say, Namaste or Namaskar. And where we normally go, uh, um, in South India, in Kerala, and those southern states there, they use the word Namaskaram. All right. Namaskaram. And they would put their hands like this and they would say Namaskaram. And that is more than just a greetings. That is deeper than a greetings. That is simply saying that I bow. I bow to the divine in you. And that really, when I began to do the research on that, that really shook me up. Translate that into what we believe, into what we hold in the scriptures. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is within you. And I want to encourage you as God's people. Every time we shake another brother's hand, I'm taking this, this cue from Brother Smith. Every time you shake a brother's hand, you're shaking with, with a member of the body of Christ. You're shaking with hand with someone that is a member of the kingdom of God. Every time. So we should have that respect for each other. We should have that love one for another. Paul had the similar difficulty. He had to write to the churches and says, love one another, treat one another with respect, be... Um, be humble towards one another. Don't try to fight against each other. If we fight against each other, we are no better than those that are in another kingdom, in the kingdoms of the world. That's what takes place. Look at the kingdoms of the world today. You'll find their protests, 
their fighting, their political maneuverings and all the things that goes on in the world. Well, I have good news for you. That's not in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace, is a kingdom of joy, is a kingdom where we can enjoy each other, build up each other in the faith. So, one of the things, I have to be honest with you, brethren, one of the things that really bothers me, really bothers me, is to see a member of the body of Christ just destroying another member of the body of Christ. That's very pathetic. That's very grievous. And it grieves the hearts of God. It really grieves the heart of God. So I encourage you, um, as we go to, to our homes and we leave this camp today, may we go with the love of Christ in our hearts. May we go like what that little song says, love is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Because the king is in residence here. The king is in residence here. You see, we can't have a kingdom just by itself. A kingdom is broken up into two words. It's a king, the word king, and, and the word dumb. Meaning, not that the people are dumb. <laughs> it simply means domain. A king over a domain. And this kingdom of God is a domain of peace. This is the king we are so happy about. Ask anybody if they are dissatisfied with their king, and I'm sure I get a, a big no. Because why? This king is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. He's a king. He, he, he's our king. He's our friend. He's our brother. Hallelujah. What more can we expect? A king that understands us. A king that gave himself for us. How many kings would do that? So within the kingdom of God, there's sacrificial love. There's peace. This is the example that he gave to us, that he wants us uh, uh, to follow. Uh, this here, the second, I know time again is going. <laughs> in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. This king, this kingdom is filled with joy. It's filled with happiness. It's filled with that, um, that peace. It's filled with righteousness. Righteousness. And we were down in South America, and whenever I teach on righteousness, I simply use the word, righteousness means right living. Right living. So within this kingdom is, is what the Lord expects us to obey, to live, live and, and to please Him. This is what Daniel encountered. Just take the example. Daniel, he was in this empire. Well, he was blessed to live through two empires. And while he was there, he had to partake, well, he was, um, the law was that he should partake with whatever the meals they provide and the drink and so on. But he said, you know, if I could just lay this aside. And the, the guy who was in charge of him said, if the king happens to know this, he will kill me. 
And he said, well, let's work an experiment here for 10 days and see what's going to happen. At the end of 10 days, a short period of time, see what's going to happen. By that, by the time that period was finished, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they looked better, they were stronger, despite they were not using the king's food and the king's meal. So, that must have been Daniel obeying the Lord here. He did not partake of the things that were in Babylon. He partook of the kingdom of God. He was a different guy. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Those are the carnal, the, the, the carnal things, right? We have to eat and we have to drink. But the emphasis is not there in the kingdom of God. The emphasis is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so, that's it. Um, in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, the words of Jesus again, speaking about this kingdom, he said, No man having his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I remember one of the messages I made a note as I think Brother Holt was saying, Jesus never deviated from the Father's will. Jesus never deviated from the Father's will. We are called to walk this way. We are called to, it's a straight course. And so there are many distractions around us. Let us trust the Lord that we will walk straight before Him. And and be obedient to him. One of the most remarkable thing of this dream and the interpretation was a stone cut out without hands. You see, the statue of itself was made by hands. They had to get special workmanship and they had to get special people maybe to put together I was doing some reading and it was said that some of the, the, um, these, the, the, the gold and the silver and all the rest don't necessarily fuse together the, the clay and iron. They don't necessarily fuse together, maybe just for ornamental purposes, but not to withstand any wind or a stone hitting it. But this stone, came from nowhere. It was without the hands of man. This, the, the statue was made by the, the hands of men. And this kingdom is not a kingdom of man. It's, this is the kingdom of God. It's an everlasting kingdom mentioned in this book. It's not a kingdom for the temporal. It's a kingdom forever and ever. Jesus prayed that prayer. He said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. That's the kingdom that we are part of. That's what we are part of. A permanent kingdom. And that's what we can rejoice over. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, speaks about the lively stones. That's who we are. Part of this stone kingdom. I'll use the word stone kingdom. Coming from nowhere. And this stone came and just crashed into this statue, 
hitting it. And the Bible says that the entire statue went as the summer threshing floor went. Because all other kingdoms will fail. The political kingdoms of men will fail. We see recently what has happened in England with this Brexit and all of the history that goes behind it. We see what's happening in the nations. They're confused. We just read the book of Daniel and it gives you the whole perspective of what's happening. Iron will not be able to mix with clay. There's a word that the politicians use. They call coalition. To give people that there is a sense of unity. But iron would never mix with clay. I'll tell you something, people of God. The United Nations will never be able to solve the problems of the world. It will take the Spirit of God to minister and solve those problems. Because the problems of the world are spiritually based. As was mentioned here, that education will not solve the problem. Education might be able to help in some areas, but the bottom line is the Spirit of God is important in meeting with people here. So this image, the image, you know, Nebuchadnezzar had an image problem. He really had an image problem. And he, and what he did in the third chapter, after, in the third chapter, he made an image, not of bronze or of uh, um, iron or clay. He made a, a complete image that is 90 feet high by 9 feet. Well, for those who are in Canada, I don't know how to translate. Maybe 30 meters by 3 meters. I hope my math is okay. And, um, and he made this, this statue of gold. Of gold. You see how the guy is thinking. And he made it. And he wanted them to bow down to it. Well, there were three guys who said, we will not bow. We will not bow. We've got the kingdom of God inside of us and we will not bow. And so they took their stand and that became a powerful witness. I want to challenge you this morning that we need to take our stand as the people of God. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed that you're a Christian, that you are walking with Jesus and walking with the Lord. And the Lord will bless you for doing that. So, in the book of Psalms, chapter 19, verse 8, speaks about the statues. The statues of the Lord are right. That's the statue that we look to. The statues of the Lord. If you really want to look to a statue, look to the statues of the Lord. Which means the word of God or the law of God. And that's the statue in, in Psalms 19 verse 8 for the, those um, making some notes here. When my heart is overwhelmed, do what? In Psalm chapter 62 verse 2. Lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That rock, hallelujah. And Jesus himself said it. When, Peter, when he, asking, he asked Peter, well, who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And there was that debate. 
or questioning going back and forth. And Peter, being the impetuous one, he was always up front. He said, some say um, Elias, some say this. And then the, the direct question was, who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ, Amen. the Christus, the Messiah, the called one. And Jesus' response was, upon this rock, upon this rock, the rock that came out from nowhere, will I build my church. Hallelujah! That's the rock that we are part of. Solid rock. And Jesus is that rock. He is the head of the body. We are all members one of another. That's the kingship that I just love. You know, there is no, nothing to worry about. I was in a certain country, which I would not mention here, where there, uh, there is a king, and you had to be very careful in saying anything for, maybe against the king, because, and, and you never know, because when you're in a kingdom, you're, you could be penalized for saying anything against the king. Anyway, that was it, you know, the political kingdoms of men, I said, will fall, and I like what Jesus says. In, in the scripture mention about the kingdoms of evil. There is a kingdom out there that will constantly come. The kingdom of evil. And the scripture mentions clearly, when you would have cast out devils or demons, know that the kingdom of God has come unto you. There's always an opposing force. And just to, just to mention to you that, you know, many places we go, we pray for people, many who are being disturbed, who are being affected by evil spirit. It's simply because they have given or allowed that evil kingdom to come in within them and control them. And the opposition, when you face somebody, tell you the anointing is so powerful, just to deliver them and set them free, bringing them out of the kingdom of evil, right into the kingdom of God. The Lord is able to do that. And so that's why we want to encourage you. This is the kingdom of joy, peace, happiness, and the list goes on. There's some things here that God wants to encourage us as God's people. I hear the word encouragement, encouragement, encouragement throughout this camp. Because God's people need to be encouraged. Never, never be discouraged. Never give up, as someone said. Keep pressing on towards the mark of the price of the high calling of God. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit, or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.